what we've got here is failure to communicate. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. Let's go. Let's go. Another UFC fight night in the books. Another UFC fight night upon us. Um, some good bounces, some bad bounces. <clears throat> Michael Johnson. Um, some interesting things. And, and you know what I wanted to do this time was really take some notes away from the event. Some things that I looked at, some people I want to fade in the future. Um, I don't know if my perception's off on some of these. I want you to sort of see if, if anything you saw with some of the fights that you did see. Um, but I mean, at the top of the card, if we look back on the weekend, that was, we had the one first fight that, you know, I, I can go and say, I told you so I told you so, but I still was on a little bit of the Ronnie Lawrence side too. I saw, thought that these guys fought quite a bit. You'd see different outcomes, multiple different ways. And, um, just the fact that the line was so wide, was just didn't make sense to me. And sure enough, I mean, it came true, right? If anybody threw Ronnie Lawrence into a parlay after we warned you, Fine, go if you want to go Ronnie Lawrence, do it, but bet the fight separately. You know, bet the props on it, bet it separately, keep it by itself because you don't want to have to reload um, right at the beginning of the night. It's not going to help you out. It's just going to sort of leave you in a chasing mentality. Um, that's just not good. Just poor decisions are made then. So let's try to be smart with the first fight of the night and carry that into, you know, next week as well, too. Um, yeah, if same, you look same, at it, man. I think five weeks in a row, the dog has won in the first fight of the night. Yeah, man. Like, it's been an ongoing trend of just parlay killers to start the night. Uh, next fight that they had was Guy Kennedy and Juku against uh, Carl Roberson. Much of what I didn't think, I didn't think we'd see so much grappling from Kennedy. Um, I thought he would tag him early and get Roberson out of there. I thought Roberson was going to just be sloppy in there and ended up just sort of controlling him and showing a different wrinkle to his game. Um, then we had David Onama just obviously owning Garrett Armfield. I think that was sort of, sort of expected. And the one fight that I, I paid attention to a lot was actually Courtney Casey and, uh, Antonina Shevchenko, oddly enough. Um, Courtney Casey won me over in that fight, man. I think that a lot of people sort of shit on her still. I think she won the fight and I think that, uh, she was landing some of the bigger shots. And for me, man, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I think Courtney Casey, you could hear her coaches yelling in the third round and she was doing exactly what her coaches were saying. Mm -hmm. That's just someone I back. There were certain things I saw in the fight that uh, depending on the matchups, um, she's not going to be a fade for me. And I need to make a mental note of that, uh, or obviously just put a note of that. Her record um, definitely doesn't speak to what she is. Like, as I said to you before, that's like, so this true. is one of the fights that I did actually go back and watch. And I was with you. Cause like, I heard a lot of people talk controversy on this. And I definitely scored for Courtney Casey, too. I thought it was a clear 29-28. So. Yeah, and then the next fight, they went, we went, we go through uh, Cody Brundage, Treshawn Gore. And uh, I had, like, a little bit of a, a slip-up in the, the podcast that so maybe not everybody quite heard because it never quite made it to the podcast. But um, I know Cody Brundage is a wrestler. But, you know, we've capped his fights in the past. But just going through and looking at, uh, you know, where he was from, whatever. Anyways, probably just not taping it the way I should. Um I was saying about him, his kickboxing and this and that. And then he comes out and he shows kickboxing. And not only did he show kickboxing, like his actual counter strikes, he was sitting in the pocket waiting. 
waiting and finding that little window and landing on door and landing with power with those short shots and, and even longer shots. So uh, good, Co good to Cody Brundage um, and shame on all of you for um, putting any money on someone who was three and one in the UFC. <laughs> That's facts, man. I didn't understand the line, man. Didn't understand the hype. I was heavy on Cody Brundage. I was more on the decision side, did not necessarily see that KO coming, but hey, man, more the power to him. He trains with Dustin Jacoby, which we'll talk about later and stuff like that. So he's in a good place to formulate these skills and show us what he's got. Uh, Jamie Malarkey, Michael Johnson. Uh, I'm going to say that was a robbery, man. I think that although he did get stunned and he was beat up and people are seeing him sort of stagger on the ring, I mean, he knocks him down and, and, and almost puts him out in the first round himself. And then I don't know. I think, yeah, I had him one and three. I, I, I think Johnson won the fight. Maybe not a robbery. Maybe just on that borderline of what you would say a robbery. But, man, fuck. Jamie Malarkey uh, comes out with the victory and, and shows what a warrior he is. But, I mean, this is a line where if you did go Michael Johnson, you, you shouldn't feel bad. Like, the line was so wide, and he pretty much almost knocked him out. You could say almost even twice in, in within a moment there. And then almost won the decision. So it's not a bad play. Uh, make that play, you know, 900 or all, all the time, man. Yeah. And sure. yeah, next fight we had uh, Eamon Zahabi and uh, Ricky Tercios. I was all over this one. I don't believe in Ricky Tercios and you saw why. That was a performance, um, like, like, you know, acting on stage performance, like liberal arts performance. He was like keying and dancing around the ring and, and talking and shit. He landed like no strikes. Uh, who would have bet that Sahabi, who's lower and more of a counter striker, who's waiting on Tercios, who didn't want to come in because he knew Zahabi does have power, man. And, uh, you know, I was on Zahabi on this one. This one was a, a, a big play. And I think that, uh, you know, Tercios just goes to show again. Some guys just have levels. He's not even close to the level of the UFC. I think it was proven. Um, next fight we had, <laughs> both of you and I need to, apologize for this one and, and we'll just get through these really quick but chase sherman jared vandera chase sherman comes out and i don't know if it was a jared vandera was just so dumb and stood in front of him like an idiot or if chase sherman's boxing actually looked that good i know he, he's bare knuckle boxer i get it but he looks sick in there and it was fun to watch what i called the big bag of dick fight um ended up being a pretty solid fight so good one yeah. on that I'm pretty mad about that fight, man, because honestly, I said, I didn't get to see too much of this card, and I had very little action on this card, and for some fucking dumb reason, I put Jared Mandera in my fucking parlay. I still made money off this card, but, like, that was, like, every other Jeez. thing hit, and I, I'm like, I put fucking low-level heavyweights in my parlay, man. Ah, that's just... Next fight on the card, there was Said Nurmagomedov against uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade. De Andrade showing why the wide, the line was a little bit wider than it should be. Uh, had moments in that fight, showed Said that he's not this world beater that, uh, you know, he was trumping himself up to be. And, and although he still is fully talented and, and, and you know, cruised to a, a unanimous decision, um, the Silva de Andrade was in that fight at points. So uh, definitely a good play if you were on that. Uh, don't hate yourself for, for taking that dog shot. Next fight was Kyle Brahayo. Brahayo. We got to get that fucking name right, bro. Brahayo against Armin Petrosian. That fight sort of played out the way I think a lot of people thought. We were either going to see a, a buttery sub really early or a backpack for three rounds. And it sort of turned into that unremarkable. But uh, he gets the win and moves forward. 
Um, hopefully he's fine tuning his game as he climbs the ranks and gets these wins because he's about to go into the shark tank, man. So we'll see how good Kyle Bahayo is. And finally, we had Rafael Fiziev against Rafael Dos Anjos and another situation where I feel like the theme of this is it was a good dog bet to take. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos was, I think, I mean, a lot of people had uh, Fiziev up on the cards, uh, you know, three to one going into that fifth round. Uh, I think I had a split. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if it was green uh, colored glasses or not, but uh, I think that Dos Anjos was actually landing some big shots and a lot of headshots, obviously, but uh but yeah, man, I mean, Fazib was just playing his game and actually was a lot more patient, just setting traps like he does. I love how he's, he's, like, he's like a cobra, man. He sort of lulls you one way, lulls you back, lulls you one way, lulls you, bam! And uh, you just sort of fall into that trance. And I, I think the one thing that I'll take away from that fight is Rafael Dos Anjos' corner potentially lost that fight, in my opinion. So I think that Fazib was as tired as, as a lot of people thought, although he does come out with the KO there. Naturally, you're an athlete. You 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 train at intervals. You train in different uh, ways to explode. And when you get in between rounds, you get to relax for a minute and, and get a little bit of rest. You're going to have about a minute of explosion. And when you're a natural phenom like that, who has natural striking, you're going to be able to land combinations. So instead of saying, he's tired, he's tired, go for it, go for it. Say, maybe get him to throw a couple and then land. Right, yeah. get him to throw a couple and burn the gas tank in the first minute, and then put in the gas tank. If you see him tiring, call it a day. You know, I'm not saying that would have changed the fight. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome. I just think it was a little bit of a, a fuck up in the corner. I'm okay with the stoppage. His eyes rolled back, although it was a little quick in the new age of stoppage. Mark Smith, um, I, 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 as soon as I saw he was, as soon as I saw he was in the corner, I'm like, or that he was the, the ref. I was like, okay, well. Yeah. I figured it might happen. And to say, yeah. I think that was one of our better plays, though, because that's one thing you and I talked about a lot. The fact that yeah. a lot of people anticipated this fight going the distance. We're like, honestly, I thought if it ended later, it would have been on the RDA side. But once again, you know, I was pretty confident that at some point in time, somebody was going to get clipped. And it was a And I changed my pick last minute. I post out a thing every week where my, uh, my bets top to bottom. But that was a close fight, man. I don't know how the judges had it 3-0 for Eve. I scored at least one of those rounds, I think, should have gone for RDA. So I was kind of surprised whenever I looked at the scorecards after the fact. But It's hard because sometimes Fazeev's shots are still impactful, but they're so fast. He lands mm -hmm. like three pretty impactful shots. That's true. They don't seem as much as RDA's one boom over the top shot, right? So it's really hard to gauge sometimes and sort of see what that really is. But, um, okay, so we will move on to UFC on ABC3. We have 11 a.m. start time. We got like, uh, you know, across the pond soccer start, start times for us uh, on the weekend to watch the fights. We will start with the main events, and I've gone back and forth on this one. I'm still honestly up in the air, and I'm, I'm I don't know. We'll see where we go with this one. So we got Brian Ortega 15-2-0 against Yair Rodriguez 13-3-0. Both guys coming off some pretty big wars where they probably left a little bit of their own, maybe a year or two in the cage um, in the last couple of fights that they've had. Uh, Ortega, obviously, his main game plan is going to be to come in with an attempt to use his striking to get in inside and try to take down uh, Rodriguez. But he ends up, you know, he runs, he goes to maybe run that game plan to get to his submissions, but he ends up just staying in the, the striking realm because he does have some solid striking, some some good elbows, uh, some good boxing. And Yuri Rodriguez, we know what he's going to do. He's going to come in with some crazy kicks. 
He's going to come in with uh, some well-timed strikes. He's good with his hands as well, too. He's just really dynamic on the feet, and he's really durable. So he'll take one or two, and then he'll come in with a shot, too. So, I mean, Ortega's going to have to probably time kicks, step inside. Not probably. That's what he's going to have to do. Uh, time kicks, step inside, land some boxing, mix it up with the boxing, changing levels, um, throwing feints, and try to get in for a takedown. If he doesn't play this 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 game to take it down to the mat, I think Yair Rodriguez is going to style on him eventually. Um, you know, although uh, Ortega's got great striking, um, Rodriguez will end up, you know, putting him out or just winning a five-round decision. So that's my thought on that one. But, I mean, I just don't know if Brian Ortega can get this to the mat. If he does, I think Rodriguez is in trouble. I think, if, you know, it's going to be maybe – it's going to have to be like a club and sub situation, man. Like, he's going to have to really work his striking um, and his boxing and issues – even a little, like, little bit of clinch game and elbow game up against the cage at times. So you have to figure this out. So I'm still a little on the fence. I think I'm leaning more the Rodriguez side, sorry. Um, but what's the line sitting at right now? Uh, right now, Brian Ortega is a minus 195 with um, – sorry. Stupid thing just pulled down. Give me two seconds here. <clears throat> the line right now is Brian Ortega is a minus 175. With the return on Yari Rodriguez at plus one fifty. Yeah, I mean, as that line starts to grow, um, I mean, I had initially, uh, and we'll probably differ on that one. I had Charles Jordan as my big dog of the week, but if that line gets bigger for Yari Rodriguez and I stick with him, then you know, whatever line's bigger is the dog of the week. That's why I'm going to be, be playing that from now on. So, um, yeah, man. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this, man? How do you really see this one playing out? Um, to be honest, man, like I'm actually pretty high on Yair in the spot. If you look at Brian Ortega, you like we all assume that he's this big grappler and a big takedown guy, but he shoots less than one takedown per fight. It's not like he's coming in. He's got, he's got a ton of UFC experience, a big sample size. So it's not like this is just one or two fights. Like usually whenever he ends up getting a submission, right, he usually rocks the person and then like jumps guard like he, what he did in the Cup Swanson fight. But generally, his jiu-jitsu positions comes off somebody else's failures or somebody else being in, like, in an unpredictable situation. So I don't know how much his offensive wrestling is going to show. Like, we might see, as I said, what we saw with Kennedy, where he's going to come in here and just start doubling in the guy. But there isn't enough of a sample size for me to really go off that. Whenever I look at Yari Rodriguez, as much as we haven't seen him much over the last couple of years, um, you look at those calf kicks that he was throwing at Max in that first round, man. It almost took Max out. Like, I honestly thought after that fight, we made a bad bet going in with Max being such a big favorite. And I think if he comes out here and starts just wailing on the legs and just kind of puts on a striking display as we know he can, I think Gary is going to easily win minutes here and kind of just frustrate Brian Ortega. All right, man. I think, you know, I I always – obviously, we're doing a podcast together because I trust you when it comes to uh, MMA, and I'm I'm pretty – I've been back and forth on the fence of this, but I'm, I'm, I was leaning with Yair and I think uh, I'm going to follow suit with, uh, with you there on that one. Next fight in the card, we have Michelle Karate Hottie Watterson against uh, Amanda Lemos. And I mean, this one, the line is just blown right up. So any kind of angle I would want to take on it or any kind of um, pretty much my pick is just not untouchable. Right. So I think that Lemos actually, um, takes this one. I think that uh, it's now a value play at this point, but I still, even at the widest line, I don't know if I see Watterson really doing it. Um, she, 
she just doesn't seem to be herself of old. She's, I don't know if it's sort of, she stepped away from the cage for a little bit at points um, and just really isn't in it the same way. Like she seems to still be training a lot, but I mean, she's not quite in her fights the same way anymore. She's not, she seems like she's one step behind in a lot of her fights. And I mean, against um, Rodriguez, I know that, I mean, her striking is awesome. So I know that she would probably be one step behind there as well too, at least with the hands anyways. But Watterson, she's now even, you know, she's actually moved to wrestling now. She's trying to take girls down. And, and I don't know if um, in this fight, she's really going to have an advantage anywhere. I think that Lamos's power is just going to be there. I think she's going to land. And I, I've seen Watterson even sort of shell up at points when she gets touched up really good. So um, she is a warrior. I don't hate anybody for wanting to take the value play on this one. Um, but I just don't see it. My pick's Lamos, but I'm staying off this one. I just think that uh, over the course of three rounds, whether it's early or late, I think she's going to touch her. Um, either Watterson's going to bow to the pressure early and break under you know the power of, of Lamos. Because, I mean, Watterson's going to come in with some kicks, some leg kicks. She's going to come in with some faster hands. But she's just, like, if she comes in, she's going to throw one, two, or three. They're not going to be as effective. And then we're just going to have, bam, one lined up, one big counter lined up, and Lamos is going to tag her. And I just don't know if she's going to respond really well. On the other side of it, Lamos, I, I don't think she beat Angela Hill. I was on the Angela Hill side of that fight. Um, I know that's a, a big conversation people are having. Obviously, she runs um, into the standing arm triangle in her last fight, but I can't really beat her, uh, you know, can't really get mad at her for that with uh, Andrade. But uh, I'm still taking Lamos. I think she just has uh, she has the edge here in this fight. Thoughts? Yeah, I have to agree, man. But as you said, the line's kind of unbettable at this point. Lang was a minus 320. Um, yeah, minus 320 on Lamos is just gross, man. It's women's MMA. Lamos is known for gassing. She got finished there in the last fight. Um, I do wholeheartedly agree with what you say. I think that if Watterson wants to win this fight, I definitely think it's in the grappling. I just think Lamos has too much of a power advantage where Michelle Watterson likes to throw her little T kicks and tap her opponents, but really doesn't go for any sort of finishing or kind of intent with her strikes. And I, so I think that even if she throws a couple shots, those big shots from Lamos are really going to keep her on the back foot. Um, there is a chance we do see a wrestling heavy game plan from her. As I said, like Lamos is kind of known for gassing. So we may see that on her side, which is why I say this is kind of a complete stay away. I think odds are this fight's going to decision. Fight goes to this uh, decision right now. It's minus 215. I think it's really the only play I like on this or over the two and a half minus 220. But yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to really touch, but I mean, that would probably be the best play. Yeah, it's women's MMA. Odds are you're going to see scorecards. Um, but laying minus 320 on somebody who has shown to have quite a few faults and somebody like Watterson, who does have a relatively high experience advantage, in my opinion, is just something you should stay far, far away from. Fair enough. Okay, next part of the card, we have Jingling Lang. Jingling Lang against Muslim Salikov. Um, obviously, the Li Jingling, um, he basically gets smothered in his last fight, and we don't want to hold that against him. I don't know if – I think it's going to be more of the opposite. In this, if, if wrestling gets going here, it's, it's going to be him, actually, that's going to get the wrestling going against Muslim Salikov in this bout. Um, but really, I mean – I. Do you see this standing on the feet? I see this standing on the feet. I don't see this really yeah, playing anywhere else. I think, I think that Xingling uh, uh, Lang, he, or I can't even say his damn name right. He <laughs> he basically will will 
he's too prideful, right? You can see him when he gets in there and, and, and he gets hit. He likes it. He wants to get in the middle of the battle. Um, so he's just going to go in there and, and try to stand with a guy who's just way, way far superior in stand up, who in three rounds is either going to pick him apart uh, for three rounds or put him out. And I think that Salikov, um, you know, wins this one pretty handily. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree, man. I've never really too good a kickboxer, man. What's that? Too good a kickboxer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely think Muslim's the size in this uh, one. With Lee Julian, he, um, he's got good striking, but, like, the problem with him is that he relies kind of a fair bit on power to be able to win fights, and he kind of just throws, like, these awkward blitzes and stuff like that. And I don't really feel like he's very formulated in the strikes, where, like, you look at Muslim Salikov, super calm, super composed, and just kind of, like, patiently waits for his opponents to throw the shots and just kind of counters off them has great kicks great punches like he's very calculated in what he does which is why i think this is just a kind of a terrible bad uh, matchup for Li Liang. because once again like he's gonna throw like this at those awkward blitzes and muslim salikov's just gonna be able to counter punch him and either get him out of there at some point or ride it off to a decision yeah, I mean, I think the play I'll probably take is going to be a, a KO or a decision just to sort of cover the KO um, as, as a play on that one. I, I'm probably going to have some touch on that one. I just think he's, he's leaps and bounds ahead, and I think uh, Li Jinglang is going to play into his his, uh, his wheelhouse. Next fight in the card, this one's going could be rough to watch. We have Matt Schnell against uh, Sumadarji. Uh, Sumadarji coming off of... Um, when, when, when was his surgery? I'd only just heard of, like, when, when was the surgery that he had? Uh, do you know? No, I don't do not Something know. Something I'll look into, but he had the knee, knee surgery, I believe it was. But regardless, Matt Schnell, um, <clears throat> sort of a master of none, but sort of decent at everything. And, uh, you, you know, it's very obviously what his his path to victory is here. And, and everybody's sort of breakdown is, is very similar on this one. Sumadarji is going to want to either pick uh, Schnell apart for three rounds or and then eventually catch him or we're going to have um, Schnell try to take him down submit him uh, how do you how do you see this one playing out what are the odds sitting at right now currently uh, right now the odds are sitting one sec like if Schnell can make this a little ugly and get inside and try to get this to the mat he could definitely make something happen but I just don't think that if he he holds Sumadarji up against the cage for for moments and then gets caught out when he's standing at range, um, that he's going to win on the scorecards, right? I don't think that's going to really do it. So I yeah. just don't know. It, it's a tough one to call. But what what, what do you say the lines are sitting at? Uh, they're sitting at right now minus two seventy for Sumadarji and a uh, plus one thirty or a uh, plus two thirty. Sorry for Machinal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's low level enough that if you want to take a shot at Machinal, I'm, I'm not going to fight with you on it, but. I'm just not going to really touch it much. I think that Sumadarji probably keeps out of most tr- most of the trouble that he needs to and, and coast to a decision victory. That's sort of how I see it playing out. But uh, how do you see this one playing? Yeah, I kind of agree, man. Um, at the end of the day, if you look at both these guys, they both land about five strikes per minute, and they both absorb or between three and four strikes per minute. So, honestly, I like violence in the spot. I don't think the line is really justified on Sumadarji totally gonna fuck this up and john's gonna make fun of me but um but yeah like you gotta assume the match gets finished again like he's definitely not the greatest ufc fighter and he's definitely shown so much weakness in the past but 
I think they will stand there and trade. Either one of these guys that lands over one uh, takedown for uh, for 15 minutes. So I think they'll probably meet in the center, throw hands. Chanel may be forced to shoot, but I think somebody's going to sleep in this one for sure. Sounds good to me. Next fight in the card, we have Shane Burgos against Charles Jordan. We have the very game. Um, boxing savvy, 14-3-0. Shane Burgos against... Charles Jordan, who is somebody who I, I wasn't fully backing in the past, but I am I'm backing now. Um, he has shown something in his last couple of fights that you want to see in a fighter, and he goes for it. He's he's a little bit more calculated in his past two fights, but at the same time, he's just man. He, he just wants to get in there and hurt people. And uh, Shane Burgos, uh, obviously a little bit more of the UFC vet, um, but Charles Jordan coming off of the submission victory. And uh, a beautiful um, three-round fight uh, prior to that with his big, uh, you know, um, his big kick at the end. With him. This is Sparta kick. There we go. My brain is a little little fried, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but with Shane Burgos, the only reason why I'm going to fade him in this spot besides, well, two reasons. Charles Jordan's momentum right now and, and, and how full of piss and vinegar he is. Um, and Shane Burgos, when he got switched off there, that still scares me. I still think about that. And I just wonder if he gets hit by somebody who has intent to put him out and can land a big strike to your jaw. I just, for the line right now, the line is, I think Jordan's sitting at plus 150. I think the line's probably going to get a little bit wider because I get it. Shane Burgos' hands, I think, are probably a little bit nicer than Charles Jordan's hands. Um, he does have nicer boxing, but Jordan's going to use all four of his limbs. And I think that, uh, you know, if you put these guys in the, in the cage together, multiple, like say nine times, or sorry, 10 times, you're going to see a little bit more of a split. I don't really see the line. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm thinking Jordan in this one as the dog, I think he's going to be able to come in and, and create enough chaos and land enough on Burgos and create enough moments where he either wins a decision or uh, puts Burgos out of there. I'm on the side of Jordan. I know a lot of people on, on the Burgos side of this. I get it. But uh, I'm with Jordan on this one. I just think momentum is a real thing. And and the new Jordan in the past two fights, I'm, I'm with. Yeah, I, I lean more the Shane Burgos side. Um, yeah. In all fairness, like with Charles Jordan, I faded him in his last fight. So let's hope I don't need my words twice on this because he literally pants Lando Venata right in front of all of us to see. He did. But yeah. Um, yeah. I just think with Shane Burgos, like I think he can land the crisper strikes. Like, with Jordan, he tends to need things to be a firefight. And as much as Shane Burgos can bring that, and if you watch a lot of Shane Burgos' fights, he's very calculated in everything he throws. Where with me, Jordan, Jordan kind of throws wild, and he is relatively calculated. But once again, like, he's kind of trying to capitalize on people just, like, wearing themselves out and stuff like that. Where with Burgos, Burgos is going to be there all 15 minutes. But um, it's definitely a close fight, essentially. Or as you said, sorry, um, St. Burgers right now is around a minus 170. So I think it's fairly lined, but um, I think Burgos probably walks away with a decision on this one. Yeah, just I, I can see for some reason, I just see Jordan being able to keep it just outside of the boxing realm um, where it's not just fully a boxing match and being able to land some kicks, um, maybe some land some you know effective calf kicks as well too. But we shall see, and I'll, I'll take the dog money on that one, depending on where the line goes. I mean, obviously, if he moves back into favorite, um, he's still going to be my pick, but uh, we'd stay off the betting line. But next line, next fight of the card, we have Lauren Murphy against Misha Tate. 
Um, Lauren Murphy, 15-5-0 against Cupcake Tate, 19-8-0. What's the line sitting at currently on this one right now? The line right now is sitting at a minus 175 for Lauren, or sorry, plus 175 for Lauren Murphy and a minus 205 for Misha Tate. Okay. Yeah, I mean, with Misha Tate, obviously we know that the, you know, the story here is the strength of schedule. Um, she has been off for a little while. People are talking about is the weight cut bad or bad or whatever. But if you follow her, she's been pretty much sitting around the weight for quite some time now. She sits pretty light. She's been pretty uh, good as far as keeping her diet in check. So that's not really a worry. Now, the only thing is, is, is with Ketlin Vieira, when she fought Ketlin Vieira, she came in with this striking style and everybody was sort of saying, oh, yeah, it's a new st- striking style. And she was landing a little bit. I just looked at the striking, though, and it leaves her really exposed. If she's going to do that, like she she comes in with a strike. She's she like I think Vera could have actually done a better job of landing counters on her um, and actually really selling me on the fact that she actually won that fight. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I think that it's very interesting, this matchup. I think that Cupcake's going to have to go to the grappling. Uh, Misha State's going to have to get this up against the cage and get her down to the mat. Um, use that strength, use, uh, you know, some submissions, at least attack some submissions to at least create threats. So she's actually scoring on the cards. I don't know if this fight, this fight's going to probably go to the decision. And uh, I really don't want to touch it. Normally I would, but I just I felt a little weird after that last Ketlin Vieira fight. And I just, I don't know really what Cupcake's going to come in. She could come in and steamroll Murphy. Like she could come in and take her to the mat, submit her really quick. And we're like, fuck, but I'm going to sort of stay away from this one and sort of see what we get. Um, I think Cupcake probably wins this one, but um, Lauren Murphy winning wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, honestly, man, I agree. Like, I'm definitely on the Misha Tate side. I think she'll probably be able to get takedowns and win minutes here. But, like, one is it's women's MMA, so better decision. And two, like, Lauren Murphy's super live in the spot. Like, she, if this stays standing, I highly give the advantage on the feet to Lauren Murphy. And and even in the Kaylin Vieira fight, like, Misha Tate didn't look great, as you were just pointing out. And she wasn't able to utilize her game plan. She wasn't able to get takedowns. And she just kind of looks sloppy overall. And if she comes out and looks that way, she's probably going to get pieced up for three rounds. So, like I will say in most women's MMA fight, bet the over. Just save his bet. And if anything, just maybe even bet the dog, as I said. Or if you see that, like, Misha Tate gets the takedown, and she kind of looking gassed or not really in it. Live bet Lauren Murphy because she'll be yeah, in it for all play. three rounds. That's not a bad play. Next fight in the card, we have Punahele Soriano against Dolce Lugumbula. All right. We have Dolce Lugumbula 11 4 0 against uh, Soriano, against, who's 8 2 0. And this one, I mean, I, I think this is a violent spot. I think there's a potential nice little violent spot. But Dolce. He's sort of plotting. You sort of see his shots coming. Um, obviously, he does have the power, but he's looping, man. And I think that Punahale is going to have the advantage on the feet and be able to land, be a little bit more creative with his footwork and get it, get in and out and, and land on Dolce. Um, I'm just not a fan of, of Dolce. I don't think he's UFC caliber. I think that he's shown poor fight IQ. He's shown gas tank issues. And, and I just think that the, the era of that guy who's just so muscle-bound that all he has is just this here like this. I just don't really see how that really flies anymore, man. So um, I like the violence spot. I think that's sort of the play on this. What's the line sitting at currently? Line is currently sitting at minus 240 for Puno, 
the the plus two hundred on Dolce. And then what's the fight doesn't go? Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, so I keep the under. Yeah, it keeps kicking me out of my thing, so I'm just using a uh, right. fight outs right now. Uh, like fight doesn't go to there. decision is minus one seventy five. Mm, okay, that's a little yeah, bit it's a little juicy juice. at this point. Yes, I don't know. How do you see this one playing out? I just don't think that uh, there'll be enough cage time control. Uh, Dolce is just, I don't know, man. I just don't think he's UFC caliber. I think he needs to get out of here at this point. I don't, I, even capping him or talking about him is annoying at this point. No, nah. really? Uh, just, seriously, I don't know. Just seriously, man, I just don't see him winning this fight. I think uh, sorry. We're gonna, you're gonna be surprised, man. But I'm taking Dolce on this one all day. I think the line's way too fucking wide. Um, I like a lot of what I see from Dolce on the regional scene, and I just don't really think we've kind of seen him put it all together. He's a judo black belt. Um, he's very good at kind of implementing his game plan, and I just I think we're gonna I'm gonna bring up Kennedy a couple times. You know, we probably will for the next little while because whenever you see a guy who you know has skills but yet just doesn't really know how to formulate the game plan. You know, at some point in time, he's either going to fade away or come together. And that's kind of where I'm at with Dolce. Like I say, he's got the wrestling background. He's got the striking. The problem is he's kind of a muscle dummy. And the second he touches his opponent's chin, he wants to go balls to the wall. And we all have seen it every single time. And if you have that much muscle mass, you're throwing wide hooks and just going crazy. You're going to gas out yeah. and you're probably striking gonna these holes, man. I think he just needs fight IQ. And with Puna, uh, Punahana Sariano, like, he doesn't have the craziest amount. I know, I know. <laughs> he, but he doesn't have the craziest amount of volume. Um, so he got taken down a lot by Nick Maximov, which doesn't really – it's nothing to be mad about. That's what Nick Maximov does. But I do think Dolce will probably be able to control the first round. And then I think it becomes anybody's game at that point because Soriano does start to slow down as the fight progresses. And I feel like as long as Dolce can have a grappling heavy first round, I think you could and not completely gas himself out. I think you'll probably see him come on late. And I think it's going to be sloppy as shit. And we just called the bag of donkey dick fight. Of the we week. may be talking about this and you're probably going to be laughing your ass off if he gets KO'd in like the first three minutes, which is very possible. But I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the plus 225 or whatever. No, I get it. I get it. it it's I, I, I think that the levels where they're at, um, at the money, it makes sense. It's, a, it's his value play. I get it, hundred percent. Soriano was like what nine and four. Yeah, no, yeah. he's eleven and four. The yeah. next part of the card, we have Ricky Simone against Jack Shore. Ricky Simone nineteen three and zero against Jack Shore sixteen zero and zero. And we have a case of um, two guys. We have Ricky Simone, who's a, a great wrestler with some power in his hands and some decent boxing. We have Jack Shore, who has uh, probably a little bit slicker boxing, a little more precise boxing, a little bit less power, um, some good grappling ability and good jujitsu. And this is a very interesting fight because I've been waiting, and only because I saw a couple of things in Jack Shore a couple of fights ago. Not waiting for it because I like the guy. I, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a fan of him. But at this point, I, I got to, you know, tip my hat to the fact that maybe he's ran up against somebody that he is going to get edged by, whether it's a decision and get owned for three rounds um, and or potentially even taken out. And I, I don't know. I, I just I think that Ricky Simone is a huge step up 
And I think that this fight is a huge measuring stick for Jack Shore and really to see exactly how good he is. Because 16-0-0 is, is great, but now you're you're really in that that upper level. And I don't know how he fares in this fight. I'm still on the fence with this one, man. Um, it may have to be almost a value play because I think that if these guys fought till the end of time, it would just go back and forth, back and forth. Um, you could end up seeing a three-round decision where Shore sort of lands some decent strikes on the feet, uh, stays away from Simon, um, Simone's power, and then ends up maybe owning some backpack positions. Or you could see Simone on top just you know landing some big shots every once in a while, owning top position. I know I'm giving multiple outcomes, and it's like, what the fuck? But I'm really back and forth on this one, man. Uh, what's the line currently sitting at right now? Uh, right now, I got a minus 165 on Jack Shore with the return on Simone at plus 140. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think that right now it's at a line where you can't really – I mean, I wouldn't say that, oh, you got to go with Simone for the value play there. I mean, if you think that Jack Shore is the winner at that line, then you got to take that and, and stick with it. But, I mean, with Simone, if that line gets any more inflated um, – I don't know, man. Like, how do you really see this one playing out? Do you really see the power of someone actually doing it? Or does Shore actually sort of use that footwork, stay away at points, use some of his striking, um, and able to, you know, grapple himself to a decision when he needs to? To be honest, I think Simone will grapple himself to a decision. Like, Simone's landing, like, seven takedowns per fight, and he's landing them on the much better level of competition. Um, Jack Shore, that Timor Valley fight, did kind of worry me a little bit. As I did, I think for a lot of people like you and I, Cap MMA, like he got clipped a couple of times and honestly, he didn't look his best. Um, I think it kind of not derailed the hype, but it definitely left some questions. Uh, I think this fight should be a straight pick em, which is why I have to side with the value on Simone, just because like Simone's in your face, man. The guy can absorb 15 punches and the guy never moves. His hair just flies through the friggin' wind. Blood could be going side to side. And he's still in your face throwing punches, shooting takedowns. Like, he's our modern-day Clay Guida. So, um, I sided with Simone a little bit. But, honestly, I, I see this fight going 15 minutes. And I think if anybody says they're really confident on a the side, they're lying to you. Yeah, it's, like I was can, saying, it, it could either be Simone – um landing a big shot or landing a couple big shots that leads to a decision for himself and also um you know with that wrestle heavy top game plan or you, like i said you could see some grappling from um from jack shore and what i mean he's going to take that back and sit on the back and potentially do that you could see that um or you could be close running some strikes i don't know man uh, i mean like like i said it's it's going to really be a position game and um, will the power and the, the wrestling really prevail? I mean, if the line continues to go wide, I, I don't see any reason why not to, to dabble in that. And the strength um, of schedule is heavily on Simone's side too. Like his no, last loss just was to Rob Font. So, like I said, huge step up, right? So, yeah. Um, I think we're sort of on the same page with that one. But I, you know, it's very interesting, and I think if Shore really passed that test, he's gonna have to do it remarkably. Like you're gonna have to see some big things from him, and if he does that we got a contender, right? So we shall see next fight in the card. We have Bill Algeo against Herbert Burns. Um, Both guys are their strong suits obviously is going to be in the grappling in uh, in the submission game. And both guys have some decent stand-up. Herbert Burns has some power, decent clinch game on the cage. Algeo is not too bad on his feet. Um, He can hold his own on his feet and and he's going to want to look to get to the ground, but this is going to be a case of Herbert Burns, I mean, he's an early, early 
or bust fighter. Like, you know, he's going to be around and a half. He's giving you seven minutes. And I don't know really where that goes. I mean, you could look at maybe, I even like maybe even a Burns early dry submission. Although LGO is that good. Um, I think that's a potential play or KO. So you could just say, you know, Burns first round. Or you go LGO, like even maybe even submission or just go third round, right? Catches him with something and, and then submits him. I don't know, man. Either way, I, I think that if this goes to the decision, I think LGO is going to be the victor. I think that he's going to end up, um, you know, winning the second and third round um, handily. First round, maybe be a little bit more hesitant. But uh, how do you see this one playing out? I think that with Burns being out, the last time he fought was, I think, when, when uh, Daniel Cormier was champion. So um, what do you think about this one? Yeah, the thing with Burns, man, is like, so his last two fights that he actually had, and as you stated, it was quite some time ago, um, he missed weight by a lot. So it's one of these things where you kind of have to see the scales. And yep. he has severe cardio issues. We saw with Algio, man, like, um, who's the guy he just beat? Um, not Knocked out Andre Fila. Uh, fuck, the name's escaping me. But um, either way, like, he took massive shots in that fight. Joe Anderson Brito, thank you. He was able to just kind of recover from whatever Joe Anderson Brito was, uh, was throwing, kind of implement his own grappling game plan, and kind of ride himself through a decision there, right? So I just don't want to see what Herbert Burns has for him. I was just looking at best fight odds. Herbert Burns by submission, round one is only plus 550. That's not a big enough line for me to really yeah, be too no. interested in. Um and it's yeah, it's a it's a low. It's although it's his wing condition, it's an early sub. It's a, maybe a dry, you know, neck grab or something else. It's like it's a plus five hundred, no dice. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's you know the submission prop, uh, submission prop. Sorry, it's plus four hundred. So like, why are you gonna throw an extra plus one fifty for the round? Like, come on. Um, I think Algier rides are the moral of the story here. I think Herbert Burns probably wins a first good round if he's lucky. But then we're going to see Gaston get shoes again, like we see in most of his fights. And Algio will either let it, uh, either get a late stoppage or ride it to a decision. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that actually that might be a play. It's Algio, uh third round decision. I think that's a, a good line to touch on. So we will maybe pro put that one out. I think you and I are in agreement on that. So next fight in the card, this is my strongest play of the night. Um, because I'll ride this man, and that sounds so bad. That'll be the title of the, the podcast. Um, until he shows me not to. Dustin Jacoby against Dunham Jung. Um, Dustin Jacoby, his striking is just far superior. I think that he's going to be leaped. I'm just jumping right in. He's going to be leaps and bounds ahead of Dunham Jung in this. Um, although Dunham Jung's striking is good, I think it's good enough that it's going to play into Jacoby's hands. You know, if he didn't have a dance partner, that could create a totally different fight. Either he goes in and annihilates people or it doesn't quite turn into what he needs to. But if he has someone's going to dance with him, he's going to be able to run into his game plan. You're going to see, see him just take over, land those leg kicks, bang, 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 hit the jab, hit that one, two, hit that one, two, three, you know, start pulling his, his combinations together. And I don't think that the, you know, the little bit of grappling that he may have to encounter is going to be enough of an issue for him. I think he's going to be able to pull um, Dan and Jung into the striking match that he needs to, if he, he tries to grapple him. So I just see Dustin Jacoby. I think this line should be wider. Um, some people don't agree with me on that. And I don't know if you do as well, but I'm going to go Jacoby all day on this one. I think that uh, considering where the line is, or at least last time I looked at it, where it was sitting at, uh, this is one of my strongest plays of the night. Yeah, so right now Jacoby's sitting at a minus one thirty, and like yep. honestly, I couldn't agree more. Um, the thing with Dan and Zhang is that like 
I think people are crediting that. Sam Alvey. Split decision. Come on. Sam people are like, Alvey. oh, he won that fight. I'm like, he still went to a split decision with Sam Alvey. Smiling like, Sam Alvey. Like, come on. But, um, yeah, like, I don't really buy into the hype on this guy. So, one thing I've been focusing on a lot lately whenever it comes to MMA betting is my ROE on fighters, man. And my return on investment with Dustin Jacoby is fucking high. Very like, this guy dude. makes me money time and time. He can lose this fight. I'm still betting on his next one. Because every single time I bet on this guy, even in that Osha Jake check fight, the one he just had there, the guy came in there injured, didn't tell a soul. And, you know, he that club, that fight was close. But that he was still a, came that's through. That's a risky fight to come into injured because Osha Jake check will actually come at him then. That's it. And he came out in the third round whenever it was going 1-1 and he did not look good in the second. And he fought for our money in that fight. And one of some tickets. So, um, with Dennis Young, like, I just, I don't really see it. Like I said, if he, people are like, oh, he's got takedowns. I'm like, he tripped William Knight with the same fucking trip takedown, like, 47 times. And William Knight's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't really think he's got the best ground game in the world. And with Dustin Jacoby, every single time he gets taken down, he's immediately working to get back up. And that's tiring. So, I don't know. I like them with you, man. I like Dustin a lot in the spot. And um, I think Jacoby just rides it up, man. I don't really have a pro play in this one. I think I can see late K- uh, late KO, but probably rise to a decision. Yeah, I'll probably touch – like I'll lose a little bit of points, but probably touch a third-round uh, decision prop again on that one. So next fight in the card, we have Dwight Grant against Dustin Stoltfus. Um, Dwight Grant, 11-5-0 against Dustin Stoltfus, who's 13-4-0. Uh, Dwight Grant's somebody who I, I find hard to, you know, get to the window on. Um, he just wouldn't give you the volume. And I remember trying to look for splits with him because he does have the power, right? So his opponents usually land, you know, two to one, even sometimes three to one on him, but he'll land some bigger shots. Um, so if the decisions happen, you're looking at splits maybe. But then his last fight, he came out. And yes, I know he's been touched and, and even put out to pasture a couple of times recently. But in his last fight, he came out and he's throwing – a little bit more and it surprised me and, and multiple people and I was sort of taken back by it and I remember thinking like wow okay like I like this Dwight Grant um I know obviously he didn't get that um that win but I mean I, I liked what I saw there and I think that against Dustin Stoltzfus I think it's a good matchup for him I'm not really heavy on this fight but I just think that Stoltzfus is gonna have to try to work some striking to get this to the mat and I don't know if he's going to be able to get it there. I think that Grant's pretty strong. And I think that uh, I like what I saw. I like momentum. I'm a momentum guy. When someone swings in a different direction, that means that they're, you know, either someone's gotten in their head and opened up something that made them realize they need to do certain things or in training, they're training certain things over and over again. But the fact that this guy's uh, throwing more volume works for me. So I'm going to go with Dwight Grant in this fight. What's the line sitting at currently? Uh, the line right now is sitting at minus 140 for Grant, plus 120 on Dustin Stolfish. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think uh, it is what it is. I'm not really touching it too much, but Grant's my pick for this one. What's your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to lean the dog on this one again, just just slightly, right? So Dwight Grant's moving up point for this one. He's talked a lot about how the weight cut's been something that's been getting to him. And although he is big for the weight class he's currently in, I think at 185, he may look a little bit smaller. And I just worry about the advantages that Dustin's going to have. Because if you look at Dustin's last couple of fights that he's lost, he's essentially lost to grapplers who were just able to out-cardio him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at Mearshart, got the late submission. Look at for, um, uh, Rodolfo Ferreira, who's able to get the late submission, <laughs> both third rounds. 
And Kyle Dog is not really the best grappler, but has a relatively heavily grappling advantage against a lot of people. Um, Dwight Grant's not going to have that. And, and once again, it's just kind of the jump up in weight that makes me nervous. And the thing with Dwight Grant is Dwight Grant could be the best fighter on the days he wants to fight, but he's low volume. And whenever he doesn't put it together, he really doesn't put it together. And to me, that's just something that's worrisome. So I'll take the shot on the Solvich to be able to take this to the ground and get a submission in this fight. All right. So we have a head to head. Um, I think we had a couple more, but I sort of, I, 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 I never thought I'd be wanting to back Grant in this spot, but I just, like I said, I think momentum, but I fully see your, your angle on that and the little bit of size there. So um, now we have the first fight of the night. If we're going to go with just purely odds based on what's happened in the first fight of the night in the past little while, we're going to go with the dog. What's the line Curtin sitting at? Uh, plus 130 for Jessica Pena with a minus 150 on Emily. Then we look at women's MMA. Most recently, <laughs> women's MMA, the dogs have been biting, barking, and fighting. So now we have two reasons to go with the dog on this. But then the dog you give me is Jessica Pena. And I don't know if when we have someone who's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt on the other end, and Emily, du- uh, how do you say her last name? Is it du- Ducote or Ducote? Ducote, I think. Ducote? We'll go, go with Ducote. We'll, we'll run Ducote. So Emily Ducote, although has some really good, well, some decent striking, some good power, um, also is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And Panay's wind conditions now are sort of subs. That's how she sort of had this resurgence. So I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not really jumping on the dog in this one. I think that everybody should just stay away from this one. I think that the smartest thing, and I, what did I say last week? I said, if you're going to play the first fight of the night, keep it separate. This one, I'm not even saying play it separate. I'm saying just stay away from it. There's no reason to really bet this fight. There's no real angle on it. I don't know. If, like, you can go through the lines. Is there really anything in the lines and the props that are really there? No. If there's not, then just stay away from it. Maybe go over one and a half. But for some reason, I'm telling you, over one and a half may not happen just because the first fight of the night has the curse. Women's MMA has been a little bit hard lately. I'd say stay away from it because Penne just grabs her neck and tears it off in the first, you know, first, I don't know, two minutes. I don't know. That's never going to happen. But I mean, crazy things can happen. And I'm just saying stay away from it. It's a banana peel fight. It's the one that'll piss you off again. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your thoughts. I think Emily beats the shit out of her, to be honest. Her striking so much better. I do too, but... <laughs> but you are right. Like, it's one of these fights where it's like, what, what do you really see happening? Like, I don't want to sell it. I, I know she's probably going to tag her up. Yeah. And he's going to go to take her to the ground. And then uh, Dakota's probably going to actually submit her, you know, when she's in a weird situation. Or TKO her and, and, and get her, you know, in a mounted situation or something. You know what, though? There's one thing you're not talking about, right? You know, there's that OnlyFans fade that people keep talking about. And just well, that's, a third that's a third thing, man. Okay. <laughs> this fight is cursed. Stay away. Okay. Well, either either you go all in on Emily in that case, or yeah, you just fully stay the away. The OnlyFans fade has worked every time. So I don't know. Wow. Three <laughs> three tier fade or three tier curse. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. Like I said, it's too hard to really say what's going to happen. I mean, we can obviously say Emily would probably come in and land some bigger shots on the feet because Penne is just not good on the feet not at all. Good on the feet at all, yeah. And and Dakota has some good power in the hands. Probably see a club in some situation. You could call inside the distance. See, this is what happens. This is what you do. 
Good call. And inside the distance, now you're pulling up props. Don't pull at any props. Stay away from the fight. If you're betting props other than decision props on women's MMA, you have a problem. Just letting you know that. Not in every fight. That's not true. I dropped. That's true. We catched the first uh, round submission last time around, okay, against Jessica Rose Clark. So not every time, but a lot of the time. Okay, your strongest pick on the card. Mm. Jacoby? Yeah, Jacoby's got to be yeah. up there, man. Me too. So we're on the same page with that. Uh, prop play on the card, Bill LJO, third rounder decision. Um, I mean, I don't know if Ricky Simone is my biggest play as a dog. I, I don't really think it is because I'm back and forth still. I know that you're sort of on the Simone side. Um, I really like uh, Jordan as a dog, and I know that you're on the other side of that. So we, we sort of have two different dogs for the week. Um, if you were to look at it, though, what would you say would be a potential? We might even have a parlay this week. So we have Jacoby. We have Rodriguez. Yeah. And what else? Algio. You think he rides? Yeah, he's definitely one of my more confident picks. To be honest, I've, now they're looking at this, like, All right. I didn't realize how many dogs I was kind of on. And shit, son, there's a lot of plus money on my side this week. There is a little bit of an issue if we have Burns come out after two years and he has this weird, like, growth in his MMA game and he comes out and looks like a world beater. And he finally shrinked. figured out how to run on a treadmill, you know? <laughs> Put down the Big Mac. I'm um, sitting here drinking a beer, man. I can't say shit. <laughs> Talking shit coffee, about this so. guy. <laughs> but, yeah, I like to see Michelle Watterson do it, but I don't think she's going to. I think Amanda Lamosh, although I'm not really – not that I'm not a backer of her. I just think that she, like I said, lost the hill, and then uh, it was a hard fight for her against Andrade. Um, Rodriguez is going to be a fun fight to watch. I just think that if you don't jump on that Jacoby line right now and it's sitting at minus 130 or whatever the fuck it is, you're an idiot. Uh, that's a That's a – uh, money line plays straight up. Stay away from the Penne fight. Don't be an, an asshole. Um, LGO, I, I, you know what? It's actually a stronger play on, on, the, on the card looking at it. So I definitely am with you on that. And uh, we have learned that you are the number one fan in the Dolce Langambula. Yeah, I'm riding with it. I'm probably going to be All right, brother. Work, I, think but... we've, I think we've found some spots this week. As always, I'm Callum McGregor. He is Nick Eagly, the man with the angles. Um, we love to look at spots. We love to watch tape and try to line our pockets as we line yours. And if you don't like it... What we've got here is failure to communicate. Let's go! Let's go!